Good morning, family. I would say aloha. Sharon and I just got back from Hawaii. Yeah, we were there visiting the grandkids all last week. I, you know I hated to come back, right? Yeah, those little guys are so gorgeous. And then Sharon is sick today. Can you believe it? She was in Hawaii and she got pneumonia. So wave at her, say hi. And then wave at her, but pray for me that I'd be a good nurse, all right? I have no problems in that area, so <laughs> I request your prayers. Are you glad to be here today? Yeah. Me too. It's a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. Well, we're picking up in our, in our walk through the book of Luke this morning. So we will be in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, and it's a pretty powerful lesson today. So bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for giving us this special privilege to gather in this place, Lord, to worship your name, to be with one another, and to give you praise for all that you're doing for us and in us and through us. We do pray for those who are at home and did not make it in today that you would watch over them, bless them, and may they feel your love. Lord, in the spaces where they gather. We pray today that you would open our eyes and open our ears, help us to see what we can't see, and to hear what you need us to hear, in order that we may be the disciples you are calling for in the earth. Pray that you would be with our pastor, giving preaching power, illuminate the word of God, so that we can see what your spirit has to say to the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Luke chapter 12, title of our message today, The Kind of Disciples That Jesus Called. This passage is actually a look into those 12 men that he called to be earthly disciples. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in those days that he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. And he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter. Andrew, his brother. James and John. Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James, who was the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, who was the son of James, and the other Judas, Iscariot, who also became a traitor. Family, a few years ago, a pastor in Southern California wrote a book called 12 Ordinary Men. And in this book, he takes a look at the lives of the apostles who were called by Jesus to follow him in the earth. His thesis in that work was this, that the men that Jesus chose were just ordinary men. He said in this book 
that among them were a handful of fishermen, a hated tax collector, a political zealot, and other common men of the day. The author denotes that Jesus did not select the best or the brightest when he called for people to be his disciples in the earth. He said in that book that Jesus did not choose those from institutions of higher learning. He didn't choose those who had an aristocrat or crack rather bloodline. He did not choose those who were even well versed in the scripture. In fact, he chose just the opposite kind of people to be his disciples. He deliberately chose, here's the Wilson list, the following kind of people. He chose men with problems. He chose men with issues. He chose people with hang-ups who were rough around the edges, men who couldn't keep their word, men with big egos, men who were slow in their thinking, skeptics, doubters, thieves. He chose people that nobody else wanted. And after reading this work on the apostles, I come away believing that the master wants the same type of disciples today. He wants the population that the world has deemed less than fortunate, less than appealing, and even less than normal. So today we're going to look at these folks, their names, their status, and their calling to follow Jesus. So look at the text with me. Let's begin in verse 14. The Bible says, He called a man whose name was Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And he called another set of brothers, James and John. Beloved, when we come to this first portion of the text, we get to see what I call as that first group of men that happened to also be a set of brothers. These four guys were brothers. These brothers were first called to follow Jesus, and he was going to make them fishers of men. Their occupation as a family were fishers, and he called this family together to follow him. The first one who's mentioned, his name is Peter. Now, Peter is always mentioned first in the New Testament. Simon is his original name, and it means one who hears. He lived in a little city who was called, which was called Bethsaida with his family, his mother-in-law. Now, Simon, when you read the scriptures in the New Testament, you find out that this man was brash. He was harsh. He was rough and rugged, and he said whatever he wanted to whoever he wanted, whenever he wanted. He was not dependable. Simon, according to the New Testament, when we read about him, he often made promises that he couldn't keep. He was one of those people who jumped into a situation wholeheartedly, but then bailed out before the job even got finished. He would be the first one in and the first one out. He was a leader who was inconsistent here today, but then missing next week. This guy is the one Jesus changed his name. 
from Simon to Peter. We would say he gave him a nickname. And it was a reminder to Simon of who he was going to be. Jesus loved Peter and called him, just like he was, to be an apostle. Why? Because the master could use a guy like this in building his kingdom. As Simon, he was a hearer, but as Peter or Cephas, he would become an apostle, a solid leader, one who one day would do great things for the church. The second man mentioned in that text is his little brother, Andrew, Peter's Peter's little brother. His name means manliness. And this is interesting because it's a Greek name, but it's given to a Jewish boy. And scholars believe that perhaps his parents did this to give him a chance at being successful in a Gentile world. We don't know what the actual cause of it was, but we know this, Andrew was also a leader of men. You see, in the New Testament, when you do the the study around his name and personality, he was a lover of Christ. He was quiet, but he was confident. He trusted Christ as the Messiah before anyone else did. He was one of John the Baptist's disciples who came first to discover Jesus. Simon Peter's little brother. But you know what? He ran away at the crucifixion. And this is all we know about Andrew. We also know Jesus loved him, though, and called him to be a disciple. The third brother mentioned in this text is named John. John, Jesus called the son of thunder. Now, John, when we read and study about his life, was hardcore, Brother Norman. He was fiery. He was a strong man who was demanding. He was what you and I would call a no-nonsense disciple. James was a man who led by example. He was prideful, egotistical, capable of hurting others, and always said what was on his mind, never thinking about what others may think. When you read the New Testament, you discover this about him. He was a man who wanted things and didn't mind taking what was his. So Jesus named him the Son of Thunder. Do you know he was the first martyr among the apostles? He was beheaded by King Agrippa for the witness of Jesus Christ. He was also said to be one of the pastors of the first church in Jerusalem. But he was rough around the edges. But even in spite of all that, Jesus loved him. But he too ran away at the crucifixion of Jesus. But nevertheless, Jesus called him to be an apostle. You see, the master could use somebody like him in the building of the kingdom of God. The fourth man we see in this passage is James' brother. His name was John. You know him as John the Beloved. He wrote the Gospel of John. His name means Jehovah is gracious. Now, tradition says this, that John was also rough around the edges, uh, but Jesus loved him, and like his brother, James, he was hardcore, 
fiery, strong, demanding, kind of a no-sense kind, uh, no, no-nonsense kind of God. Also one who loved Jesus, but prideful, egotistical, and capable of hurting others. He too was a man who wanted things and didn't mind taking what was his. If you remember the story about his mom, she once came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want you to take my boys, James and John. And I want, when you get to your kingdom, put one of them on the right and one of them on the left. Now that mama was something else. But John and James, when Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking of me. Can you drink the cup I drink of? And the brother said, oh yeah, Jesus, we got you. We can drink of the cup. It tells you a lot about their personalities. John, Jehovah is gracious. That's what his name means. He was the beloved disciple, as I mentioned, and Jesus loved John and called him to be his apostle. The master could use a man like that, too, in the building of his kingdom. Stay with me, RCC, because I'm going somewhere this morning. See, we can look at these men and their profiles and their names and how they live, and we, too, if we look real good, can see ourselves in this same lineup. The next two men in this first verse were named Philip and Bartholomew. Philip is a Greek name for a Jewish man. His name means somebody who loves himself. (laughs) Uh, And according to the biblical record, Philip was also a man who had a seeking heart after God. He was looking for the Messiah to come. He was a passionate Christ follower, Brother Mikey. He lived in a city called Bethsaida too, and he would bring other men to meet Jesus. He's the one who brought the guy named Nathaniel to come meet Jesus. We can learn a lot about Philip in the New Testament reading his life. But you know what? He was also one who struggled with belief in God. Remember at the miracle of the loaves when Jesus said, how many fish do you have? And it was the disciple Philip who said, what are these among so many people? This is not enough food to take care of all these needs. He struggled to believe what God could do. He also was a man who ran away when the ministry got hard. When they crucified Jesus, he ran. But... Jesus loved him and would call him to be his apostle. The next brother was named Bartholomew, or he had a nickname that was called Nathaniel. He's one that they would say was was an Israelite in whom there was no guile, right? Nathaniel means God has given him. He was a gift from God. He came from a little small town named Cana of Galilee. Now, this guy is interesting because Nathaniel was a doubter. He was a skeptic. You know any believers like that? He was known for making prejudicial statements. Nathaniel is the guy that says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The guy was a racist. But guess what? Jesus would make room for him too to be one of his disciples. He was the kind of guy who couldn't take your word for it, but had to see things for him. 
self. Guess what? He too ran away at the crucifixion of Christ. He broke under pressure. But Jesus loved him and called him to be an apostle. And then we see, family, the text change. The Bible looked at these first six men who were called by Jesus to be their apostles, and then he introduces us, Luke does, to four new characters. And here they are. Look at verse 15 with me. He says, and in this list now is a guy named Matthew and Thomas, James, who is the son of Alphaeus. That's there for a reason. I'll come back and pick it up. And then there's a guy named Simon who was called the Zealot. This verse is powerful. You see, this second group of guys are always listed together in the Gospels when you read it. There are a group of brothers, um, not, not brothers of the same mom or dad, but just brethren, and they were not fishermen. That first group were fishermen. But these also had very other different interests in life. They were men of passion, men who often questioned or doubted what the Lord was doing. They were men who didn't have the best reputations, yet Jesus would be their teacher and would embrace them as his own. The first one mentioned is named Levi. Levi, who we preached about previous weeks, is the tax collector. And he's the one who goes by the name of Matthew. He writes the gospel of Matthew. His name means a gift of God. And it was a common Jewish name that moms and dads would name their sons after their exile. And notice what the text says about him. He was the son of Alphaeus and was a tax collector in Capernaum. This implies that this kid went wrong. He was raised in the right way, but got involved in a career or in a secular way of doing life where he hurt his own people. He was the kind of guy that a mom or dad would not be proud of. Matthew, as he changes his name, earned what we would call a nice wage from a crooked career. And before he came to Jesus, he was a party man. Before he came to Jesus, he was a hustler. Before he came to Jesus, he was hated by his own people. He was ruthless and showed no pity and no mercy on those he was born to live around. And guess what? He too ran away at the crucifixion of Christ. But Jesus loved him. And called him to be his apostle. I hope you hear that theme running through these names now. The next brother on the list, his name was Thomas. He had a Hebrew name. And it meant one who was a twin. He is said to have been born in Antioch. But is considered by some to be a native of Galilee. He was the doubter. You know that guy that every time you say something, they go, ah, yeah, right, whatever, prove it to me. He was that believer, right? 
This guy was such a doubter, he didn't even come to the small group meeting after Calvary. He missed it all together. He had to see things for himself before he even believed it. He had very little faith. He was the believer, Brother Wang, who was a skeptic, a negative person. Oh, here it is. This is a better, better word. He was a worry wart. He always thought the worst in every situation. Remember when Lazarus died and Jesus says, come now, we're going to go see him. He's like, what for? He's already dead, right? This guy did not believe anything even when it came from the mouth of Christ. But Jesus loved him and called him to be his apostle. Can I stop right there? Remember the text says when we begin that he prayed all night and then he called him. I thought to myself, Jesus, really? You prayed all night and this is the best you could do? This is the list of guys you want to walk with you? And the Spirit of God say, yes, because I see, Angelus, what you don't see. And I need to stop right there and say that's a good word right there for the church. That's a good word. Remember, God sees stuff that you'll never see in a person. And he's the one who calls them to be his disciples. Well, the next brother in line, unless I keep it too long, his name is James. But there's already another James in the lineup. That's right. And that's why the scriptures call this guy James the Little, or what we might say in our culture is Little James. Now, he was called either Little James because he was younger than James, the son of thunder, or he was short in stature. Scholars don't know which is the which, but his moniker or his nickname is Little James. And Little James, in this text, this is what we learn about him. Are you ready? Here I go. Number one, we know he was not popular. Number two, we know he had very little influence. Number three, we know he never wrote a gospel. Number four, we know he was not the type of person who would stand out in the crowd. He had no recognition. He had no great leadership feats. He asked no questions. He made no powerful statements. There's no quotes from him anywhere in the four Gospels. He was just another guy in the crowd. And he, too, ran away at the crucifixion of Christ. But here I am. Jesus loved him and called him to be an apostle. The next disciple in the list is a man named Simon. Now, Simon is known as the Canaanite or the one who was from Canaan. And this is what the Bible says about him. He was a zealot. Now, the zealots back then were these deep political party type of people who were anti-Rome and all about building the Jewish nation. In other words, if you weren't Jewish, you were not happening. We wanted nothing to do with you. And this man was a revolutionary. He was a warrior. He was hot-headed. He was the one that wanted to see the downfall of Rome and the Jewish nation reestablished back as a world superpower. That's what we know about him. The Bible calls him the zealot. Or we would say the one who was zealous for his people. 
But I found out a couple other things about him. Do you want to hear it? He wasn't known or popular. He had very little influence. He never wrote a gospel. He was not the type of person who stood out in the crowd. He had no recognition, no Bible quotes, no great leadership feats. In fact, he was not a leader, a profound thinker, or a man who was impressive in any type of way. And he, too, in all his zealousness, ran away at the crucifixion of Christ. But, (laughs) yes, Jesus loved him and called him, too, to be his apostle. Now, and then we come to the close of the text. I'm sorry, I know this probably is a boring walk through the Gospel of Luke, but I want you to, I'm going to turn over some rocks to show you some things that perhaps you never saw before. When we come to the close of the text, we get to see the last two disciples that were chosen by Jesus to serve in their ministry as apostles. Verse 16, the Bible says, Judas the son of James and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. He didn't always start off that way, but he became this other thing. Can I give you this last two and then I'll get out of your way? First of all, these two men are not brothers. They're not related. They just happen to have the same name. The first Judas mentioned is also the one they used to call Thaddeus, which means a beloved child. Now, he was probably the teenager in the group, the youngest disciple of them all. This is the youth group representative right here. Now, one of these Judases is famous and one is not. Judas, the son of a man named James, was not known for much. Wasn't popular, didn't have much influence, never wrote a gospel, was not the type of person who would stand out in the crowd. He, too, ran away when the ministry got under pressure and they arrested Jesus. He ran with the other disciples and denied Christ. But Jesus loved him and called him to be an apostle. Why? Because the master could use a young man like this for the kingdom of God. And then finally, we come to the last brother that we all know very well because he was famous or what we might call infamous for the word betrayal. He is Judas Iscariot. He too was a zealot. He too was a warrior. He too was motivated to follow Jesus, but it was for other reasons. Now, when he first comes on the scene, this Judas, the betrayer, is quiet. But halfway through the story or the three years that they follow Jesus, his character changes. And he emerges and turns out to be Somebody who's consumed with greed and fulfilling his own agenda. I said, man, the scriptures are amazing. Because you can actually look in the scripture and see the same thing in the church. 
how some people start off one way, but then after a while, something changes in the heart. Just something to make you go, hmm. His character, when it changes, it changes because, watch this family, because of his disappointment with Christ, his disillusionment with the ministry. He changes because he yields to temptation, the temptation of the evil one. And when he yields, he betrays the one who calls him to follow him as a disciple. Can I tell you here, betrayal just don't happen like that. It's a slow kind of thing. I like what the Bible says right here, brothers and sisters. Judas became, hey, a betrayer. He wasn't always the betrayer. He didn't walk into the ministry to throw it apart or to wreck it. He became this. In other words, he became what he never thought he would be. See, all because of his sin. And this is what I stopped by to tell us today on our way down through this great book of Luke. I stopped by to tell you, family, that sin left unchecked in your heart will make you become the worst disciple you could ever be. It'll make you do stuff you never thought you'd do. It'll make you say stuff you never thought you'd say. It'll make you think things that you never thought about before. Judas played the Judas. He betrayed Jesus in the garden with a kiss. Sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And he too ran away at the crucifixion of Jesus. But Jesus called him and loved him in spite of knowing what he was going to do. And what he was capable of. Well, I don't know if you caught it today. I don't know if this text resonates with you as it did with me in reading what comes next in the gospel. But you know what I'm, I'm, I'm just arrested with today, family? Jesus loved every one of these men with all of their problems, with all of their personality flaws. Well, all of their issues of their hearts or their inability to do what they said they were going to do, just like us today. All these men failed him, but he called and loved every one of them anyway. That's the kind of God he is. Isn't that powerful? I'm reminded that they all had issues, but he loved them with their issues. (laughs) they all were nothing without him but he loved them anyway so before we start to give up on one another before we start to write off one another or accuse one another of this or that just remember God loves them anyway just like you ah an amen goes right there what a great picture of a loving God who calls the broken who petitions the disqualified and draws near to those who nobody else would use. Let me close right here, family. 
Jesus is still sending people like these men today into the world as witnesses and agents of change. And we resemble these 12 men in every way. No, so don't look at your neighbor right here. I'm going to go through the list, all right? Because if you're like me and you hear this sermon, you're going, like, oh, yeah, he sure is, Peter. Oh, yeah, that's Judas. Oh, you can stop, but don't do that, all right? But some of us are Peter. Some of us are James. Some of us are John. Some of us are Andrew. Some of us are Philip. Some of us are Matthew, Nathaniel, Thomas, Little James, Simon, Judas Iscariot. And some of us have also been the betrayer. We all have these types at work in our own personalities. And all these men are what I call the perfect picture of humanity and the perfect picture of who God will call in a fallen world. Here's what I learned. Jesus loved them with all their flaws. And the same Jesus who called them is calling you today to a life of service. Jesus, in order to save them and serve them, he came at the call of his father. One day, called the Day of Atonement, the same Jesus who called them became the Lamb of God to die for the men he called to follow him. That Jesus at Calvary's cross can call somebody who is broken because it's at the cross where we become whole, where we get born again, where we get to come back into a right relationship with our Holy Father. Jesus did that, knowing what his purpose and his plan was for all of us. I'm so glad he died. I'm so glad he was buried, and I'm so glad that early Sunday morning he was raised back to life by the Father to reconcile us back into a right relationship with God. I'm so glad that Jesus could call somebody like me because only God can take somebody as broken, as useless, somebody who had no purpose or plan for their life and now give him purpose, give him a plan, give him new life, and change his eternal destination. Praise God for God who sees beyond your faults and knows your needs. I'm through preaching, but I'm reminded today. What the world wants us to do is make these old bodies the best we can do. What the world wants us to do is have us think we can save ourselves. What the world wants us to do is make us work harder, do harder, be more. Appeal to this, appeal to that. Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So praise God for Luke who writes this book and who puts the names in the list so we can look at the names and like a mirror see our own name written right there. And all God's people said, would you bow with me for prayer? Father, thank you so much for the hard sermons, those places in scriptures that you don't want us to skip over, but you want us to look into. Thank you for our brothers who you called and you listed their names and their hangups and their problems for us to read that we might be able to apply them to our own lives. 
Truth is, Father, we see ourselves in this passage when we see our brothers. And we know that the common thing that you had with them, you also have with us. That you called us to be your disciples and you loved us. So today we pause. We pray. We ask that you continue to work on us. We ask that you continue to fill us with your spirit. And most of all, that you will be at work in our hearts and in our minds. And if there's someone here today, God, who does not know you or watching online, and they see themselves in this passage, my prayer is that they will become one with you by praying these words. Dear Lord, save me. I'm a sinner, and I need my sin forgiven. Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I believe you died for me on the cross. You were buried in a grave, and you rose again on the third day that I might have eternal life. Come into my heart and save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen.